Welcome to Waiting for Review, a show that follows the journeys of two iOS developers. I'm Dave Knott, an iOS developer from Devon, England. And I'm Dave Wood, an iOS developer in Wellington, New Zealand. Join us as we discuss the development code and technology of our journeys. I was um, using the NBC News app on my Apple TV. Um, I have a few random news apps on there, so I just picked that one. And there was a thing, one of the headlines was something like, all iPhones, iPads, and Macs affected by security breach or something like that. So that yep. was that was the headline. You click into the video, and I thought, well, fair enough. The headlines are headlines; they, they, they they're always a little bit kind of, you know, clickbaity if you want. Um, yeah. Start watching the video, thinking they're going to instantly clear this up and explain the situation. The whole two-minute video was pretty much all about how iPhones, iPads, and Macs were affected by this, and right at the very end. They said, um, yeah, no, and other systems are too. But then <laughs> just the whole video was captured around Apple and how everything's gone wrong for yeah. Apple because of, um, you know, like the, the root thing and the, the date. Mm. And, you know, this is another blow to Apple. And is Apple you know, going to be the big company, the dominant force that it once was? And they opened the yep. video with a clip of Steve Jobs, you know, announcing the original iPhone today, Apple reinvents the phone and the applause, and then it's like, and now Apple are kind of doomed. <laughs> it's like flipping heck. Yeah, this, this isn't just Apple. This is. Just, I think there's a lot of journalists that maybe aren't quite reporting this in the right way. I don't know. It's been badly managed. I think from Apple's perspective, in terms of, I think it, as it played out, there was a sort of feeling of, oh, it's only Intel processors. You know, maybe maybe ARM is safe, and then obviously that that's cascaded, and and there are the same sort of issues going on with with ARM, and you know, then what's happened is as this has played out is that Apple's silence has then bred this this point further down the line, which is, oh no, actually we need to clarify this. All of these products are affected. Yeah. Um. Whereas I think if they've been able to sort of say something early on, as in, you know, we are investigating this um, and we will be creating security patches if they are necessary, um, and if they'd sort of said that kind of straight up, then that would have kind of guided the narrative. Um, Kind of similar to how they could have guided the narrative of the battery thing. I was going to say scandal, but I don't don't know if you'd call it a scandal or not. Uh, that to me yeah. just feels like miscommunication on a lot of levels that has led to quite a nasty situation, I think. Yeah, and I think this is where Apple's sort of secrecy and kind of keeping stuff at a distance at times kind of bites them, um, which is something that I sort of felt like they were perhaps kind of leaving behind, certainly for sort of situations where it's not, you know, a brand new product or something where they really do have to be so secret because it's going to completely blow the world away with with, with what it is and, you know, they'll sell loads. Other issues and that sort of thing, I thought there was going to perhaps be a bit more openness going on. Um, and I think with these, these situations, it's kind of felt like they've either not known how to get a message out or they've kind of felt that they can delay on, on getting any sort of message out and maybe it'll all, all just sort of blow over. Mm. Um, and this battery thing runs deep, I think. This is going to stick around for a long, long time. Yes. Like the damage is huge. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of expecting 
you know, one of the execs to end up on the talk show pretty soon, just as kind of some kind of damage limitation measure or, you know, start appearing on podcasts or YouTube videos. Like it's, and that, you know, while it might limit the damage in sort of enthusiast circles, you know, people that would maybe listen to the talk show and, you know, watch tech YouTubers, I, I suspect for the most part, though, that audience probably understands the issue anyway. Um, yeah. But just like over Christmas, the family members that brought it up sort of around the dinner table, at, at, you know, Christmas dinner and things like that. Um, it's It's got to the man on the street, if you see what I mean. Yeah, and the trouble is the perception is very kind of like, oh, well, that's how they're designed. You know, they're designed to slow down on you after two years or whatever. You know, it's kind of fed that sort of planned obsolescence kind of narrative as well. Yeah, and it's clear, I think, that a lot of people have been superstitious of this for a while or or suspicious of this for a while in that, you know, they think when iOS, you install iOS 10 from iOS 9 and your phone gets slower and then you install iOS 11 and it gets slower still, it kind of feeds into that suspicion that, oh, they're just slowing your phone down. And yes. while Apple have said for well, years, forever, that no, 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 we're not intentionally slowing your phones down, this comes out and it's like, haha, I knew you were slowing my phone down. <laughs> you were literally slowing my phone down. Yeah. But yeah, they, 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 they were all going for it at the dinner table. You, you know, it was like genuine kind of anger at Apple and, you know, you know the, the big companies are screwing over the little man and all of that. And I... I didn't really want to because I was just trying to enjoy Christmas, but I felt I had to step in and actually explain to them what had gone on and explain to them about, you know, how when the phone tries to draw sort of peak energy from the battery of a sustained period, the older ones would start shutting the phones down and this is why they did it to prevent that. And then they're like, oh, oh, I didn't realise that. I just thought, yes. And, you know, and it was just clear that they didn't understand and you can't blame them if they're not into the tech and things like that. Um, but it emphasised to me what a huge, huge issue this is for Apple. Um, yeah. It's fundamentally, it is a communication issue. It is. I mean, yeah. it, 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 this is the sort of thing where, where what they have actually done is not necessarily a bad thing. And had it been communicated to the end user clearly and obviously in some manner, then, you know, this wouldn't be negative PR or a problem, really. This, this is... Um, I remember when I got my first MacBook Pro, somebody sort of advising me, and this was kind of 2009 sort of time. This It was um, yeah, it was a 2008, early 2008 MacBook Pro that I bought refurbished early 2009. And somebody I knew at the time was advising me to keep an eye on how many cycles the battery had been through. And there was this sort of, you know, you can go into the settings, you can check this here, and you can see... Um, sort of what what kind of lifespan is left on the battery, um, and when it's it's dropped below um, this percentage, and and you've you've cycled it this many times, then you probably want to think about getting a replacement. You know, and that that was somebody I I knew at the time who knew more about that end of things. Just sort of said to me, you can look in the settings, you can see these bits, and take a decision. Um, you can't really get to that sort of information properly. Um, on iOS, I don't think there's anywhere that I can see. Okay, well, well, how good is my battery these days? 
No, yeah, there's, there's nothing. I don't think there's anything particularly obvious or slash at all in the settings, to my knowledge. Um, again, if if they were going to start throttling people's iPhones, I think it is only right that some kind of pop up for on the first instance of it, you know, to to alert the user or to make it obvious within settings that this is taking place. Um, again, battery health and general consumer advice on hey your battery's getting a bit old maybe think about a new one here's options for service yep it's, it's um it's just kind can of link me straight through to the apple app and i can you know go and order a new a battery replacement book get a it genius checked bar into... yeah yep you um, know it doesn't need to be doesn't need to be a, a a net negative for apple at all could have been an opportunity i guess at that point yeah, I mean, their battery replacements were fairly hefty. What were they, $79? Yeah. Which I guess is £79 here. I've never actually had a battery replacement, I've... so I wouldn't know. But um, to be quite honest with you, though, if the $29 seems like an absolute bargain. <laughs> if, if I, yeah. I was thinking of taking the iPhone 6 that Heather's now using down to Apple and just being like, oh, you know, battery scandal, or oh, give me a new battery and sort of <laughs> get one really <laughs> cheap for $29 because it seems pretty good. Yeah, I've, I, I have to do something similar for for the iPhone 6 that my wife is using um, to find out if, if that's covered here in New Zealand in the same way. Um, well, it's iPhone 6 and up that, they, uh, that yeah. they said. So presumably you'd, you'd be able to, I guess you'd have to go to a service centre seeing as you don't have Apple stores there, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think it's a, a call to them to find out. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, like um, at the old price, if I had been nudged into that from the phone itself, kind of sort of saying to me, okay, well, this is something you probably want to look at, um, then I think we probably would have paid for it by now, actually. It would, um, give, it would have given me pause, having... I think. That 79 yeah. is quite a lot for a battery. Um, it is, but it, it depends on the sort of decision that you're making. I guess if you can sort of see, okay, well, carry on like this and A, my phone's not making it through the day, and B, it's going to be safer to run at a slower speed. Um, the next part of the equation is, okay, well, is that battery replacement kind of cheap enough to sort of say, okay, I'm going to run that phone for another six months, another year? You know, before I'm, I'm kind of thinking about an upgrade, and then it's in a better state for selling on in that upgrade as well, because equally, when you go to resell a device, if there's a diagnostic to say... Uh, how um how healthy the battery is then that becomes a sort of resale value as well yeah that's a fair point that is a fair point i've replaced an, a battery on an iphone 4 once but that was kind of um like buying a battery off of amazon or something and doing it myself right but at, at this new price of 29 dollars, it's kind of not not that much more expensive just to take it to apple is it and just not have, no. to have the hassle of breaking your phone apart and because I remember the yeah, iPhone four that I replaced a battery on. That was it wasn't exact. I mean, it wasn't that difficult, but it wasn't something I would recommend anyone just do. Um, I, I managed to replace the screen at the same time, so there was a bigger motivation to do the screen as well. Um, yeah, which I ended up ruining in the process and had to order another one. So keep that in mind as well <laughs> if you're ever considering <laughs> any DIY repairs on a phone. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot of space in there, um, and there's even less space, I think, these days, isn't there? So It's okay getting it to pieces, but getting it back together again, I found. I think I managed to crush the cable that um, 
for the digitizer. As, right. I, put, as I put the screen back on, um, I managed to get it caught and crushed it and put a screw through it or something. And yeah, not good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's a twenty nine dollars, twenty nine UK pounds, and whatever. Um, I guess double that number for for New Zealand if they're covering it in the same way here. Um, at those sort of prices, it, it does become you know, pretty much a, a no-brainer, really, to go and get Apple to do it. Yeah, just get them get to do it. it. At $29, it's like, yeah, cool. New new battery, great. Um, yeah. Even if you know, the iPhone 6 we've got isn't particularly bad. Um, if I have it here before I got my 10 here at home for the whole day because we don't have any signal here, it's constantly searching. Despite being yeah. in Wi-Fi call mode, it still searches for cell towers constantly. It wouldn't make it through the day. I'd have to charge it. Um, but Heather's kind of daily flow with the phone means that she's in areas where there are signals, so she manages to get through. But even so, for £29, I'd probably just put a new battery in just to just to know it's there, that you've got a nice fresh battery. And it, it may yeah. improve. I'd be interested to see if it improved the speed of the phone to see if we've actually been throttled or not, because I don't really know if it has or hasn't. I suspect it probably has, but be interested to see yeah. for sure if we have. And how much of that did you write off as, as being the sort of cost of upgrading to the new OS at the time? Yeah, well, part of me thinks if we get this new battery and my phone speeds up, I'm going to be really annoyed that I went and bought an iPhone 10. <laughs> if I could have got another <laughs> two years out of, these, out of the six, I could have saved a fortune. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you doing? Right. So <laughs> No pressure. I am... I am making a mirror app, um, which is exactly as simple as it may sound. It is an app that makes it so you can use your phone as a mirror. Um, So I think it opens straight into the forward-facing camera. Um, It shows you straight back at yourself. Um, And with the option then to kind of uh, magnify that image so you can see it centers in, in... the middle or it'll have a fixed point of focus at least to make it work kind of like a mirror um and there'll be an option to to click to sort of magnify take a photo from what you can see um and a couple of other features in there as well so um you can i've I've seen this on existing mirror apps where they kind of let you um set up like a sort of white ring around the image so it reflects the light back at you to light you up um and i've had an idea for making an app like this for a while it's nothing novel um but what it will do for me is it it kind of gives me an app that's got a um a camera preview as its central sort of focus and taking photographs as as being something it does that's quite core to it um and i have an idea for a photo gallery that i want it to be able to create that would manage its photos through um, through your existing um, photos on iCloud. Mm-hmm. So all the photos that you've got in your in your camera roll that are synced up to iCloud, um, I want to be able to create a folder in your photos and use that folder to then be the repository for the images that are used in the apps gallery as well. Okay. Um, so that I am completely not responsible for managing those photos. If you delete them out of that folder, then that's that's your problem. Tough. 
Okay, um, and so the app isn't working as a, a shoebox where I've got syncing kind of stuff going on there. Um, it's literally going to use the Photos API to check that folder or that album. Um, and you can browse the photos that you've taken from there. Um, so I want, I, I want this more for kind of the components that I'm going to be creating. And because I've got a few other app ideas that I'm not going to go into on this now, but would kind of leverage those components but this this is a good starter for 10 um so nice nice simple app idea and probably means that i'm i'm going to be able to to sort of stick to the the kind of time limits that, that we talked about on the last show it sounds almost like you're trying you're making a component for a bigger idea yes yes to some degree i've, I've got a bigger idea in terms of like the sort of photo gallery side of the app um i also want to test out things like adding in um an ad supported model because mm -hmm. it kind of feels like this is a sort of app that's so simple you, you shouldn't be paid up front um and my other apps are, are paid up front so this this would be new for me to sort of go free with with ads um i've done in-app purchases before so there might be a sort of unlock get rid of the app ads side to the app as well yeah, I always think if you're going to have ads, it's kind of almost good manners to give in an app purchase to get rid of them. Yeah. Um, even yeah, if like 99% exactly. of people were like, no, I'm cool with the ads, it's, there might be 1% who just don't want the ads. And if, you know, at least give them the option, I think. So I'm kind of wondering if I can um, do something new with the monetization side of the app that I haven't really played with before and get a small, medium, large system going on. So ad supported is small. You know, that's that's no barrier. Boom, you're in. Um, and then medium is, say, a six-month um, subscription. So you could, you could unlock everything and have, like, the no ads and maybe a couple of extra small um, features. Um, within the Mirror app, that would be, like, extra filters for your photographs once you've taken them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you unlock it, you've, you've got no ads and you've got a little bit extra sort of in terms of functionality and, and you get that for subscribing up for a nominal fee for six months. You know, it's so far away that you'll probably forget it's there. But anyway, so that's in the medium tier of pricing. And then for large, is an in-app purchase to say, okay, I want to have this unlocked forever. You know, and that, that's kind of your... So if, if you had, just for example, you've got free and then you've got, say, I don't know, two ninety nine dollars for yeah. a six-month six subscription, and then it would be, say, seven ninety nine dollars to unlock forever. So you kind of have these sort of, every, every option is in front of you. You know, if you don't want to pay any money, that's fine, ad-supported. Um, if you do but you don't quite want to unlock it forever, you're not sure if you're going to really care about it that much, then maybe just trying it for that sort of nominal subscription is enough because you'll probably cancel it anyway after you paid for that. Kind of like a trial. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so although these ideas are sort of grander than the app itself, the app itself enables me to test these things out and have a bit of a play. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, that makes a lot yeah. of sense. 
So, so that's that's what I'm up to. <laughs> um, and at the moment, I guess if we're catching up on progress and where I've managed to get to over the Christmas break, um, well, for a starter, I've chosen that app idea and that approach. That's that's actually been a bit of a process because mm-hmm. um, you know there's always a thousand and one things that that you could be doing. Um, and I've I've got a whole list of of different app ideas and things and and this just sort of seemed like the nice way of kind of easing into doing sort of anything on the side and keeping things fairly small and achievable um but otherwise i've I've done like um some wireframe designs i know the sort of general flow of the app um and i've got a sketch of the the app architecture as well so i kind of know like what the data flow is going to be like and how i'm going to coordinate between moving through the different view controllers. Um, <clears throat> I'm actually literally going to use a coordinator to, to control the flow between the view controllers in, in the app. Um, so no storyboards, there's going to be a coordinator object and that's going to hand off and initialize the different view controllers that show on the screen. Um, just because that, that to me is starting to feel like quite a natural flow. Okay. Um yeah, so I'm I'm pretty happy about that actually. Um I think I, I I've no doubt that I'll get to a point, you know, end of next month where I'll be like, Oh, it's kind of there as a prototype, but it's not really there as I wanted it in my head. And, but I think it's sort of simple enough that I can just sort of crank on and and see where it ends up. That's cool. That's really cool. With the game um, and with the games that I want to make going forward, I need to be really careful not to fall down the rabbit hole of um, the the design of the games. And when I say the design, I kind of mean like the the graphics, if you like, because as we've spoken about before, I, I kind of struggle with calling myself a designer for sort of productivity apps as it is never mind games which are incredibly graphical and you know very designed products so yep. I, f- I feel like i needed to work smarter here and not harder so I, I almost wanted to kind of find a way to erase the need for design in the traditional sense so what i didn't want to do okay. was kind of be buried in photoshop making textures and designing characters and drawing characters and objects and scenery and all, all the rest of it yeah um and i know you can kind of get art packs and things like that but i've i've always struggled to find a the ones i want and then you're kind of at risk of your, your games looking like other people's and stuff like that yeah and then as soon as anything happens that you need to sort of create new assets to update <clears throat> to update um you're kind of beholden to that original source as well yeah no, that's true so yeah, for for a couple of reasons, including yeah, the ones we just said, I'm not really into that. So I've kind of, in in a way, sort of designed myself out of a corner in in that I'm just going to use um, lighting as kind of my design source. So my character is is kind of like a um, like a, a, an orb of light. So okay the character projects light from itself and the 
kind of the world, the objects, the the scenery, I guess, in a traditionally designed game are um, shapes, essentially. And then as your character moves through the world, as he, uh, the character is uh, emitting light, that then casts shadows off of the scenery and the objects and everything, which, as you uh, the, the game is kind of reasonably fast paced. Um, so as you're moving through the world, you're moving through the world quite quickly. And as you move around the objects, all the shadows kind of change direction. Um, so if you were to sort of jump over a, a box, for example, the shadow would be uh, cast to the right of the box. And then as you kind of jump over it quite quickly at speed, it kind of quickly whizzes underneath the box and off to the left, almost like a sun uh, rising and setting over the box really quickly. Um, right. If I'm making sense here kind of trying to paint a word picture but are we um we're talking about a two-dimensional game here a 2d sort of platformer game yeah 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 so um the yeah the the player essentially creates the look and feel by emitting light and that emits uh creates shadows which is one way that it creates the look and feel from the objects in the game it you know cast makes them cast shadows the other way is that the light um, affects the, the colors in the game. So yep. the kind of prototype I've got, I've got like a purplish, a shade of purple as a background, um, as a backdrop. But then, of course, as the player is emitting light, that then affects the color of the, the background as, as the player moves across the background. Yep. Um, which I, th- I think gives quite a cool kind of flat design-ish look to the game. And it also means I don't need to do any kind of um, sort of making of game textures or anything. I can almost push that to one side. Um, it's almost like I've programmed my way out of needing to do any design in a strange kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I kind of figure I'm going to try and run with this as a as a general design direction. Um, I'm sure I'm not the first that's that's done it. I mean, there's so many games on the App Store. There's bound to be others that have got the same kind of aesthetic, but it means that I can get rid of a huge hurdle for myself and yep. focus on the actual gameplay elements, um, which is where I th- I feel, given my past efforts of games not being exactly that fun, um, that's where I can put my efforts, and that's where they'll they'll count the most, and I can get rid of the design, and also in, in, if I can. Again, this allows me to iterate quickly, making new games, new ideas, and they'll all have this kind of look and feel to them. Um, and hopefully the development will be nice and speedy because I won't need to dive into design for each and every game. Um, yep. It's almost like my games potentially over time could be recognisable as mine by having this look. So I think there's a couple, there's a couple of big advantages there. That's really quite awesome. Um, I'm really sort of loving the idea of uh, of not needing to create lots and lots of assets just to sort of get things up and running. That's it feels a little bit yeah. like a cheat, but it's a cheat that I think is quite worth worth taking. You know, the risk of being called out on it. Um, I, I'm quite happy to take that risk, and if I do get called out on it, I'll be like, "Hey, <laughs> yeah, I did that. No problem." Um, <laughs> <laughs> Because, yeah, I think it it does actually make for quite an interesting, cool look for the game. Um, as I, w- I was playing it, I tweaked my physics settings because I'm, I'm trying to balance my physics at the moment to try and 
make it feel right because at the oh, it, yeah it, it felt very floaty um almost like everything was in slow motion so i had to kind of tweak all that kind of stuff um and the game sped up to quite a nice playable speed and yeah. as i was kind of rushing through the level um i i thought it worked really really well um it's yeah it's kind of half by accident this happened um i, I was starting to play with lighting because i thought it'd be cool to have like some kind of shadows in the game and i just um put a, a shape node on the screen and put a light on it and all of a sudden it was like oh that looks kind of interesting um, <laughs> what if i attach this light source to my character so my character became the light source and obviously the character moves so that makes some interesting visual effects and i did that yeah. and i was like oh, it's still kind of working out and then eventually i was like yeah, this is, this is fine. This is good enough. <laughs> if I would, yeah. I, when I say good enough, I don't mean kind of like this is mediocre and I can just live with it. I think it actually is quite cool. So awesome. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. I think it's 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 like a big win in terms of my time and my ability to be productive with these games because I could easily probably now until the end of February just dive into designing a really cool looking game. You know, if you, you imagine like Sonic, how that used to look on the. Uh, on the Mega Drive or Genesis all those years ago. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously that a lot of effort went into that, making all the, the textures and you know, how everything looked. I mean, I could go to that, that extreme and I can see myself falling down that rabbit hole, convincing myself yeah. that I'm hard at work on my new game idea. Um, but just essentially obsessing over how it looks. Whereas this negates all of that, strips it back to basics and allows me to focus on, gameplay which is where i need to be focusing while actually still making quite a cool looking app so yeah we'll see how it goes awesome okay that brings us to a close if you've enjoyed today's show we'd love it if you could leave us a review on itunes or if you're an overclass user you can recommend us by hitting the star button also we have our own slack channel we'd love to invite you to join um, if you'd like to reach out to us on twitter at wfr podcast and we'll get you signed up so before we run off dave where can people find you um, you can find me on Twitter at DWRoboHeads, that's RoboHeads with a Z, and you can find the applications at RoboHeads.com, again that's RoboHeads spelled with a Z at the end. How about you Dave? Uh, yeah, you can find my remote control for Cody at armchair-remote.com, and my latest app to help kids learn to read you can find at spacereaders.com, and on Twitter I am at underscore Dave Knott.